Welcome to the Antioch Community Church Podcast. We are a church located in the downtown Birmingham area where we desire to be with and like Jesus and help others do the same for the glory of God. We hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Um, the scripture reading is from Hebrews 5.11, um, 5.11-6.20. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they then fall away since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to, to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not so unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you showed for his sake in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to, their, to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. So if there ever was a week that I wished that I would have got COVID, 
This probably would have been it. And I got close because I only got on on Monday. Thankfully, we're all she's negative. We're all negative now. None of us end up getting it on her. Um, it's because I want an excuse. I don't have to deal with this passage. And we can just skip over it and say, oh, man, I got COVID. Sorry. Just, I'm going to have to skip Hebrews 6 because, you know, this is this passage it, it, it baffled uh, theologians and commentators, very people much smarter than me, for centuries. And, uh, and it's also caused um, a lot of followers of Christ, a lot of anxiety, and a lot of uh, tossing and turning late at night. This is one of those passages that, as I've been preparing this week, you know, it's one of those things that, even though there is a bold warning here, um, there actually is a, an even bolder assurance. Now, we can't throw away the warning because the warning, that kind of black backdrop, allows the, the, the light of that bold assurance to shine even brighter. But, so we have to look at both. But you know what this passage is, is, is about is getting us to think through the issues of hope, of what your confidence is in. But also, and what I want to focus on today, is assurance. The ability to have assurance as someone who professes faith in Christ. So, oftentimes, you know, when, when we teach here today, we try to kind of have a double-barrel approach where we're, we're trying to really talk to uh, those who are followers of Christ and those who are here who aren't. And uh, today, really, this, this passage is, is really just zeroing in on those of us who identify as followers of Christ and the question of how can I be sure? How can I know that I know? How can I have certainty about my faith that it's genuine, that it's real? There are a number of passages throughout the Bible that kind of add different colors and textures and layers to, to that question. Um, but there's some unique things that Hebrews 6, uh, as difficult as it is to interpret and hear and receive, some actually really hopeful things. And that's if you, if you heard there near the end of the passage, that's really where this lands. On this idea that your soul can have an anchor. Which you'll see right there. This is kind of one of the, the images that comes out of the book of Hebrews that really comes to the surface. An anchor for your soul. Something that is, it's not you, but it's connected to you that weights you and keeps you grounded even in the midst of the craziest of storms. That's literally what it's designed to do. That you can have an anchored soul. You can have assurance. You can have confidence that your faith is genuine and real and you can have an anchor for the soul, for your soul. So the question is, you know, how do we get there? How, how can you have that? Hebrews 6, it's going to show us, um, I kind of want to boil it down to two things that we see in Hebrews 6 that help you begin to see how can I have certainty that my faith in Christ is genuine and real. And um, those two things are this. The first is that you understand that your salvation cannot be lost. 
That's the first step to assurance. You understand that your salvation cannot be lost. We're going to look at that because this, this sounds like it might be saying something else. And the second is understanding that your salvation cannot be earned. It cannot be lost and it cannot be earned. Those two things are the two main lanes in the highway to getting towards assurance and confidence that you are a true child of God. So I want us to, uh, to jump into this first one. Understanding that salvation um, cannot be lost. I want us to, uh, to look specifically at chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, which is notoriously kind of the most just scared and kind of haunting in some ways. I'm just going to read this for us again. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own contempt, uh, to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Now right away, I want to clarify what this is, what this is saying, and then what it's not saying. Um, what it is saying is, uh, is this, this is getting at apostasy. Now, it uses that word uh, for those who have fallen away, which that right away becomes concerning as we hear it. Because of, well, how do you know that you've fallen away? How do I know that I haven't fallen away? Or what does it mean to even fall away? And uh, earlier in Hebrews, uh, it's used a couple words kind of like this, term it drifting away. And even in most English translations, another word, but it's translated as falling away. But the word that's used here is, is different than that, right? Because there is a sense in which you can drift. We're all drifting to some degree from Christ. None of us is locked into trusting in the finished work of Christ every second of every day to the fullest extent, right? We're all... We need an anchor, right? And there's some leeway to that rope. But this is talking about something different. This is talking about a more decisive, purposeful, and continued, and even public rejection of Christ. And also on top of that, an antagonistic spirit to Christ. This is talking about, it goes on to say, you know, this is, it's like they, they're crucifying Christ once again. You get the image of when, when this happens, when you are, I want to go back to this too, just to kind of clarify this, because you know, it's, it's interesting the words that he uses to describe who is talking about that's done this. Um, first of all, there's a, there's a little bit of layer of distance here for saying those who have. There's a little distance there from, you know, this small house church in Italy that's kind of suffering, you know, increasing persecution and is wrestling with is following Jesus really worth it? Is all this stuff real? Or should I just go back into Judaism and just kind of like not risk, you know, losing my life over this? There's a little bit of separation there between this group that the author is talking about and those listening, these, this house church. Um, but it also uses these words that are not, I think, intentionally unclear. If this is an act, if, if it's talking about an actual believer. 
It seems that it's, it's more painting a picture that it's someone who was an apparent believer, which Jesus makes a, a, a big category for this in one of his parables, the parable of the soils. And talking about the seeds that are going out, and three of the four kinds of grounds that Jesus described that the, the seeds of the gospel fall on end up not being good soil. And so there can be a little sprout of faith that it looks like, okay, wow, this, this person believes. But Jesus makes this point that the reality is, is time will tell because there can be false professions of faith. Charles Spurgeon says it like this, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Which the Lowry's can tell us about because they got chickens now. <laughs> and they, they've gone to this, don't count them before they hatch. There can be a sense in which you've been enlightened, you've shared, you've been in the church, you've been running, you, you maybe have even grown up in it your entire life. And you would call yourself a Christian. You would identify as that. But there's something beneath the surface that maybe you don't want to admit to yourself, and you probably definitely haven't admitted to anyone else, that you doubt that you really get it. That you question, and, and let me say this too, that's not, that's not what God wants for you. That's, and that's not normal. And that that is not the way that God has... Jesus didn't die for us to just constantly question whether or not this is real. That his love for me is real. That he died for me. That I believe this and that I perceive this. In John it says that it, this, he wrote the Gospel of John so that we could know that we have everlasting life. Um, but it is possible... For those, for there to be people who have been around the things of God, grown up in the church, read the Bible, maybe led small groups, maybe even led worship, maybe even been in ministry, and at some point, something happens to where they uh, they end up falling away. Now, falling away again can mean just kind of drifting away from Jesus, where you say, "Look, I'm just that's just not for me anymore." That's not what this is talking about. This is saying it's going that, that next layer. It's where you then hold Christ up to contempt. It's where you not only say, this is not for me anymore, but this is actually, I'm going to actively fight against Christ. The one who I once said that I followed and loved and knew. Alright, so right, right there, um, you have to hold on to that. But there's a distinction here between simply drifting away from Christ, which happens to, unfortunately, a lot of people, and a lot of people that probably you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're guilty of this, and beyond being restored to repentance. This is talking about a minority, but realistic uh, case, in which they, someone falls away, and then they go that next layer of holding Christ up to contempt. And that is also in line with what Jesus would say is, quote-unquote, the unforgivable sin, Right? And there's only one. And what it boils down to ultimately is you reject Christ. That's the only thing that can make you quote-unquote unforgivable. What you need to take assurance in that, right? That is the thing. Not how, you know, how, how good you feel about your, uh, your morality or your sexuality or anything in your life. That is the one thing that Jesus identifies 
and that we're being, you know, we're, we're being told about here in this passage. I also want to say this, that you, you don't know people's hearts. I don't know your heart. Only you know your heart, and only God knows your heart. He is the one who even has, we've seen in Hebrews, and we'll see, he's the one who lays bare our hearts. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Right? There are a lot of things that are hidden from my sight. There's a, there's, there's a lot of things that are hidden from everyone's sight. So, we need to be very, you need to be very careful to not, you know, go pointing fingers and saying, well, this person has apostatized, and they're beyond being restored to repentance, and they're too far gone. But then we also, on the more positive side of that, you and I need to never stop praying for those who are really struggling in their faith. Or maybe have even said, look, at one point I did believe this, and now I don't. This is not giving you a license to say, well, all right, I guess they're just, whatever, just kind of throw them in the trash. Because God has, that's, that's not what this is. You know, this is talking about a very minority case. And I think the reason it's being brought up here is because apparently this had happened to some that they knew. Some of these Christians in this, you know, small house church, they knew some people who had at once, maybe even in their fellowship, I don't know, we're not told, but they got to the point where they'd fallen away and then they began to actively, you know, and, you know, be antagonistic toward Jesus and, and persecuting the church, that kind of thing. And in the midst of this increasing persecution, the author knew that it was going to be easy to look at these people and say, I mean, maybe that is a better route to go than to keep with Jesus. And he's willing to warn him and say, look, you may know some people that have gone that route. It is the minority case. But don't go there. Don't walk down that path. And he's warning, giving them a bold warning. Now, um, that, that's what it is talking about, right? That, uh, that it is possible to, uh, for someone who was an apparent Christian, to go so far in rejecting Christ that they cannot be restored. Now, what this is not talking about is for someone who's following Christ that has doubts, has doubts about something in the Bible, doubts about something about God, about Jesus, who just has questions. That is, that is not what this is talking about. This is not talking about, you know, as they said, you know, kind of back in the old days, Someone who's backslidden. Maybe, maybe that's you. You're like, I've, I've got some kind of addiction. I've got something, maybe not addiction, but just some something in my life that I just can't get over. Or maybe I'm in a season where I know I've taken some steps back from Jesus. And, and, and does this mean that I can't be restored? No, that's that is not what this is what this is getting at. This is not saying that a that true faith can be lost. This is saying that true faith can be counterfeited. It, it can be faked, even, even in an honest way. Paul, in Romans 7, like I mentioned a few moments ago, gets at this, um, this tension, right? Even in himself, that he doesn't do the things he wants to do. And um, he does the very things he doesn't want to do. And what comes right after that is Romans 8. I think this is what is so important for us to do, especially when we get to difficult passages like this, is to allow, allow the Bible to have a conversation with itself 
And what you'll see uh, time and time again is things like Romans 8. I'm just going to read this to you. Very end of Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. I've heard a few different people say kind of the same thing. Um, if you could lose your salvation, you would. <laughs> you already would have at this point, right? Nothing can pluck us out of his hand. So the question then becomes, okay, so then how do we know if I have true, genuine faith? Which is where this then begins to go. Um, and it already turns a corner before we kind of get into the next section. I want you to look at verse 9. Right, so it's after he said all this stuff, and it's scary, and it's haunting, and it's kind of horrific almost in a way. Verse 9, listen to this. Though we speak in this way, this is Hebrews 6, verse 9. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. Things that belong to salvation. This is the part Verse 9 is the part that, if you're familiar with this passage and it's caused you any trouble over the years, this is the verse that you probably don't think about with this. Because it's not a period into the book. After verse 8, we feel sure of better things. I feel sure of better things. Beloved, for your sake. Things that belong to salvation. I feel sure of better things that you won't take this minority yet real route. And then he begins to go into answering this question of right. So what are, what are some of the ways that we can have some of this assurance? Um, so first, it's understanding that salvation cannot be lost. But then second, it's understanding that salvation cannot be earned. And it's precisely because it can't be earned that it can't be lost. It's a gift, Hebrews, or sorry, Ephesians 2 says. Something that God gives. And the gifts and callings of God, Romans 12, are irrevocable. He gives them and he will not take them back. He holds you fast, firm to the end. But the question becomes, how do we know that that's me? 
How do you know that that's you? How do you know that you haven't just made some false profession of faith in Jesus? I want to draw your attention to uh, near the end of chapter 6, verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Having become a high priest forever at the order of Melchizedek. You will have no assurance of faith. You will constantly doubt yourself. You will constantly doubt God. If you think that you are supposed to enter by yourself. If you think that you get in based on what you do or what you don't do, you will never be sure. The only way that you can be sure is if you enter behind the curtain, not a curtain, right? We're not, I'm not going to have you line up and just go, all right, this is how you do it. This is how you have a shirt of faith. This is the new right of passage. Just walk through this curtain over here. This is the curtain, right? All these were these were Jewish converts to Christianity. They would have known exactly what God was talking about. The big, thick, unterrible curtain that stood between the outer place in the temple and the inner place in the temple. That signified God wanted to make his presence with his people and with you and dwell with you. But to get there, because he was holy, because we are not, there had to be a system by which we could be cleansed and purified to be able to be in his presence. And so one time a year, one guy a year could go into, pass by that curtain, get into the inner place, the Holy of Holies, and offer a sacrifice for his sins and for the sins of Israel. And he had to do it every year uh, after that, over and over again. And it says here that Jesus has gone behind. If, we, if you go behind the curtain, where you're going is where Jesus has gone before. As your forerunner. And the idea is that he's the anchor. So the idea is, this, is that you, you place the anchor of your soul right there in the place that for centuries you would have never been allowed to go. Because you're going in, not on your own. You're not entering in by yourself. You're entering in, falling, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm coming in with that guy. When you, when you, and that's what faith is. It's, it's just connecting and trusting with a person. The person of Jesus. And when we do that, we can have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It is actually possible to not be unsure, but to be sure. It is possible not to be moving around and shaking, but to be steadfast. And it is precisely when you begin to not look down and inwardly, but when you begin to look outwardly and upwardly to Christ and what He has done. Now, this may be a little cheesy, but I do love this. I just thought about this recently. An anchor of the soul. Now, I don't know if anchors have always looked like this. But at least how they look now, it's basically a weighted cross. 
It's a cross with a lot of weight at the bottom. And the idea is that when you plant, when you drop the cross in your soul, it gives you uh, a, a weightedness, a, a steadfastness, a confidence that cannot be moved because you did nothing to earn it, you can do nothing to lose it. It's simply based on the finished work of Christ. Now, where, where you and I can get tripped up with this, and I think it is, it is a blessing and a curse to grow up in the church. I did not grow up in the church. That's its own blessing and its own curse. It's crazy to me to think that my kids will be pastor's kids when I didn't even grow up. I was, I was just, yeah, nothing by Jesus and by anything. It's a blessing and a curse. And as I've gotten to know many, many people over the years that have grown up in the church, there are many who have that moment where it becomes their own. Whether it's in college or whether it's in high school or whether it's just right then and there, you know, VBS. But there is kind of a unique journey that if that's your story, I know that is many of your stories, that there can be a part of you, and I love this because um, I hope I don't embarrass Sam or Maddie, but we've heard some amazing stories in the last couple weeks and a few months ago with both of their baptisms where they said, where they had the courage to start opening up to people around them, being honest with themselves, being honest with God and saying, look, I've called myself a Christian for years. I have no idea what it means to follow Christ. I have no idea what you, I don't know Jesus. And I love the thing that Sam encouraged all of us to do is to say, look, if that's you, the best thing you can do is just get honest about that. Because it can be, you can start to think, ah, all right, I want to focus this in on this. I want to bring you back to where you were a couple seconds ago. Um, knowing that, yeah, there's many of you who are, who are in this place, right? Who would say, I call myself a Christian. And I may have called myself a Christian for a long time. But if I'm honest, I have zero assurance. I don't know that I know Christ. I don't, I really don't think I'm sure of is that I'm unsure. If that is you, that is probably a good sign that the penny has never dropped. Not that you're beyond, right, this, this, is, this is not, this is where I want to encourage you. This is not talking about apostasy, right? What this is getting at is just having your faith become real and genuine to you. And we want to help each other get there together as a body. And that's one of the, the best things that we can do is help one another follow Christ. And so what I want to give you a chance to do, because I think the first step in this, again, in this, who I'm talking to is specifically someone that says, look, whether I grew up in the church or not, I do call myself a Christian. But I feel like I'm playing a game. I feel like I'm faking it most of the time. I feel like I'm just kind of like trying to mimic, you know, what other people do. And I, 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 I have no assurance. I have no, there's not, I don't have an anchor for my soul. Would not say that. To just own that in a, in a public way. And then allow us as the body of Christ to at least pray for you, if nothing else. Um, we're going to walk with you. So, what I want to do is just, we don't always do this, but I'm going to just give you a moment to respond. And if you're, if you're like, that's, that's me, I'm in a place where, if I'm honest with myself, maybe I've never been honest with myself about this, maybe I've not been honest with other people, or maybe I have, but I'm in a place where, yeah, I would identify as a Christian, but I have no assurance, I have no certainty, 
then I want to give you the chance to just stand up. We're not going to play any music. We're not going to close our eyes. Just give you a chance to stand up so we can pray for you. So if that's you, I just want to make you stand up. All right. So we've got uh, two people in the back. Is it okay if we have a few people around you just lay hands on you to pray for you? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to pray for you. Lord, thank you that you promised to give us and you offered to give us an anchor for our souls. Lord, you don't want us tossed to and fro by the waves of life and our sin and our doubts and our questions. Lord, you want us to have a steadfast confidence that's immovable and that only comes through trusting in you. And Lord, I pray for these two brothers who have, you know, this, this kind of inner wrestling with you about where their hearts are at, what they really think about you. Lord, thank you for their honesty. And we pray specifically for them. Lord, that you would give them uh, assurance, not because of themselves, but because they, they finally just hand themselves over to you. And they just trust in you and in your finished work. And they don't try to enter behind the curtain on their own. Because that just makes us anxious. But Lord, that they enter in behind Christ, their forerunner, their savior and their friend and their only hope. And Lord, for all of us, wherever we're at, even if that's someone that didn't stand in this moment, Lord, we thank you for the gift of assurance. And we pray that we all would take hold of it today. Whether it's because we just need to be reminded that, yeah, I can't lose this. It's real and I can't lose it and I'm happy about that. Or whether it's a real soul-searching time that we're in, and we really need you to shine some light and clarity into uh, if this is real or not, and Lord, to make it real. For we love you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad you joined us today. If you would like to stay connected with us, visit our website at antiochbhm.com, where you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. If you have any questions about today's message, or would like to speak with someone about what was shared today, please email us at info at antiochbhm.com. Go in peace.